0: A series on Repentance from Dead Works, um, which is the first of the foundational doctrines taught to us in the book of Hebrews, chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. And uh, we've been dealing with the, the topic of sin, because uh, repentance from dead works is in fact repentance from sin. And we've been having a look at various aspects of sin, how it affects the believer's life, and how we can deal with it because our Lord Jesus Christ has made provision for us um, in that he has died for us and given himself for us that we may live free from sin and uh, we've gone through many um, various aspects of that particular teaching. In the previous teaching we had a look at the fact that our Lord Jesus Christ does in fact chastise his church um, and we saw it, it's not a case of uh, the Lord chastises His church uh, the moment we commit any sin, for we had a look at grace before that, and um, our Lord always gives us time to repent of our sin. That's part of the grace that we walk in, that He gives us time to repent of sin before He chastens us. But if He sees that we're not going to repent of our sin of our own accord, then He starts to bring chastening into our lives in order to turn us around and and put us back on the right path. And uh, we had a look at the fact that as Christians, we are called to grow up and to become become mature believers. And we saw that um, baby believers are held to a lesser degree of account than mature believers are held to in their walk with the Lord when it comes to sin. For our Lord understands that new believers who come into the kingdom of God Um, do not know nearly as much as they ought to and so he excuses a lot of their behavior just like any other parent would excuse behavior of a baby and a little child but once the the child becomes a teenager then uh, they are expected to know better and so they are held to a greater degree of account for their behavior and then obviously when they reach full maturity They hold to account fully for their behavior because society expects that they know better and how to behave. In the spirit realm, it's no different. God, our Father, um, treats us as His children for that's what we are. And so as we grow, as we should grow, I say, uh, that's better than saying as we grow because there are a lot of Christians who stay baby Christians their whole whole lives. They never grow up. They never mature in the things of God. However... God expects us to grow up, and so he does deal with us at the level of maturity that we should be at. He doesn't deal with us at the level of maturity that, in fact, we're behaving at. And so um, when he does deal with us, there is uh, the painful aspect of chastening that then is brought to bear in our lives in order to correct our behavior. And we saw that the reason that our Lord chastens us is so that we can um, be partakers of his holiness, and um, do away with sin in our lives. And that is the reason why he brings chastening to bear in our lives. And obviously also there is the other aspect of uh, chastening is that the Lord is more interested in our eternal welfare than he is in our welfare in this life. And so if he sees that the course of action that we're taking and the path that we're on is going to lead us to the point where we will commit the sin to death, he will rather then uh, escalate our chastening and even uh, bring into the believer's life early death. So he takes them to be with the Lord before their time. Um, And so that brought us on to the next uh, part of uh, the Lord's chastening. And we discussed briefly as to what chastening the Lord actually does use in the church. And we saw various scriptures and we saw that our Lord uses weakness in the individual's life in that they become uh, almost overwhelmed were things taking place in their lives, things going wrong, that is. And we saw sickness is a a form of chastening that the Lord uses in His church. We saw that uh, tribulation, great tribulation, is another form of chastening that the Lord uses in His church. And when we spoke about tribulation, we were not talking about uh, tribulation and persecution for being a Christian, but rather tribulation and things just going completely wrong in the person's life. Um, And the Lord allows that to happen in order to get our attention so that we can say, "Okay, Lord, I'm actually doing something wrong here. I need to now change my ways. And then we come back on track. And then finally, we saw that our Lord does use um, early death. Translated means that a Christian will go home, go to be with the Lord uh, before their time, because our Lord Jesus does see that the, the path that they're on is not a good one. And so our Lord, rather than lose his child for all eternity, uh, he would rather than uh, take him to be with him at an earlier time. And so that is what we saw in our previous teaching. Today we want to have a look at the various consequences of sin. And we're not going to be able to get, get through all of it today, um, but we're going to start on uh, certain aspects of it. Um, and the, various, the, very, the first one we want to have a look at is the fact that when we commit sin, we immediately step from light into darkness. Now, let me say again at the outset, as I said when it came to, we discussed chastening, that it would be unjust of the Lord to chasten his children if, uh, for sin, for committing sin, if it was not possible for them to not walk in sin. Um, and so because it is completely possible, our Lord Jesus Christ has made that possible, and we've discussed that in previous teachings, Uh, The Lord is not unjust when he chastens his children for committing sin. Now, in exactly the same manner, there are consequences that are attached to committing sin. And again, um, um, uh, the Lord would be unjust if he allowed these consequences to come into the believer's life if they had no ability to walk free from sin. Um, But because they have ability to walk free from sin, these consequences are brought to bear in the, in the believer's life if they choose to walk in sin. And so God is not unjust in this area at all um, in that he does bring it to bear. Now, when we're talking about sin, we're talking and we've gone back, uh, we've discussed the various types of sin. Uh, in this instance over here, where we're talking about the consequences of sin and also the previous teaching where we spoke about the chastening of the Lord, we're dealing with known sin. This is sin that a believer commits knowingly. They know that the, the, the word of God says, do not do this or do this. And they knowingly then rebel against God and they go ahead and do what is uh, against his will and against his word. And these uh, is when we commit known sin that the consequences of sin are then uh, made manifest in our lives. And this is not unknown sin at all. For unknown sin, as we've discussed, our Lord Jesus deals with him with that directly himself. And so, when we commit known sin, there are numerous consequences that occur. Um, And uh, we need to understand that the consequence of uh, committing known sin is immediate. It doesn't take time to uh, be made manifest. Unlike the chastening of the Lord, when we uh, commit sin, um, our Lord doesn't chasten us straight away. Our Lord gives us always, by His grace, He gives us time to repent. And so, there's no... Um, chastisement that the believer incurs as a consequence of committing sin uh, directly and with immediate effect. And sometimes that has a a negative effect because what happens is the believer because there's no uh, chastening from the Lord while they're committing sin because our Lord has given them time to repent, they uh, kind of uh, are deluded into thinking, well this is okay, my behavior is is acceptable before the Lord in fact it's not but the consequences of sin take place immediately there's no time delay there's no grace period when we commit sin with regards to the consequences of sin I'm not speaking about the chastening of the Lord now so there's two there's the two different aspects and we're not to get confused between the two And so we want to have a look at the first consequence of sin uh, that takes place when we do commit sin. This is known sin, is that we step out of light into darkness. Um, It's that simple. The moment that we choose to commit sin, uh, where we knowingly are now doing something that our Lord has instructed us not to do, or vice versa, not doing something that the Lord has told us to do, for sins of omission are as sinful as sins of commission. And so, when we do uh, disobey the Lord, and we then commit sin, we at that point step out of light into darkness. And the scripture we'll have a look at on that uh, topic is with, uh, in one John chapter two, beginning at verse nine. The scripture says, "This is the Apostle John writing to the church." Well, the Holy Spirit writing through the Apostle John to the church. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. Verse 10. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. And so, John is very clear in his writing here that there's no middle ground with regards to the kingdom of God. Because he says either we're in the light or we're in darkness. Not, there's no gray area in the kingdom of God. And um, <clears throat> he says, if, you, if you're walking in hatred towards your brother, you've stepped into darkness and you no longer are walking in the light. If you're walking in love towards your brother, you're walking in the light and you're not walking in darkness. Now, John uses the example of um, hatred as, as, as an example of, of the kind of sin that commit we can commit, which would then take us out of light, And take us into darkness. But that same example can be um, replaced with the the sin of envy for argument's sake. And so it could be just as easily said that he is walking in envy uh, toward his brother, uh, is in darkness until now. And so the moment that we commit any sin, known sin, we step out of light and we step into darkness um, now that doesn't mean that we're not saved anymore. Um, and also, I just need to also make this comment: when John makes this comment about walking in light and darkness, he's talking about believers. He's not referring to, he's not comparing believers with unbelievers. For he's talking about one who is walking in hatred towards their brother. And so he's referring to Christians here. He's not referring to unbelievers in this passage of scripture at all. This is what Christians can do. Christians can. Uh, either walk in the light or they can walk in darkness. And let's just stay with his example of being hateful towards a brother in Christ. Uh, walked, our brothers are brothers in Christ. That's We're part of one family. And so when a believer is walking in hatred towards any brother, they have now stepped out of light into darkness. And uh, this is a, 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 the result, the immediate result, of committing that particular sin. But any sin that we commit, Uh, has exactly the same effect. There is no greater degree of sin that takes us from light into darkness. Um, A white lie, uh, that's the worldly term, there's no such thing in the Bible, but uh, any kind of lie takes you straight out of light into darkness. Sounds harsh, but that's the reality of the, the Christian walk because God is light and in Him is no darkness. And if we're to abide in Him, then there can be no darkness no darkness can abide in the presence of god it's it's that simple it's not a very complicated issue um, now when the believer steps out of light into darkness through committing known sin and let's stay with this uh, sin of hate being hateful towards a particular brother for whatever reason the brother might have said something to them and now they have developed this uh, hatred for that particular brother um, When the believer now steps out of light into darkness, they have not become darkness. They are still light. Their their spirits remain unaffected by the sin that they are committing. And we have dealt with that right at the outset of the teaching, where we said that sin does not affect the spirit of the born-again believer at all. It's impossible for the born-again believer's spirit to commit sin. And so when the believer is now now no longer walking in light that particular believer is now walking in darkness Um, however they are still light they are just now walking in darkness for their spirit is still alive to god their spirit they're still sons of of god there's no change there at all Um, they are still part of the family and if they were to die at that instant, even though they were walking in hatred towards their brother, they would be absent from the body and present with the Lord. That would be the, the result that would take place. And so they have just they have stepped out of walking in the light and they have now decided to start walking in darkness. However, they are still light themselves, for their spirit is still light, and um, the scripture we can have a look at is in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. The scripture says, For you were once darkness, talking about unbelievers, uh, but now you are light in the Lord, talking about believers. And so the, the, our nature of our spirit changes from darkness to light, from spiritual death to spiritual life. And that doesn't change when the Christian believer commits sin, known sin. It doesn't change at all. We continue to remain uh, light in the Lord. But look at the rest of that passage of Scripture. It says, um, or let me read it again. It says, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And so um, the the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, uh, in admonishes the, 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 the child of God to walk in the light. So it is possible for, even though we are light in the Lord, for it is possible for us to walk in darkness, even though we are light in the Lord, because he wouldn't have admonished, admonished us to walk um, as children of light if it was not possible for a, a child of God to walk in darkness. And so it is possible for us to walk in darkness, um, and to uh, walk in light as well. Even though we are light, we can walk in darkness. We make that choice ourselves. And so there is no uh, gray area. There's no middle ground in the kingdom of God. We either walk in the light or we walk in darkness. Um, and again, let's go back to that example of John That uh, in his passage of Scripture. He says, if any of you, are, um, and let's just read it quickly. He says... Uh, he who says in, he is in the light and hates his brother. And he's talking about just one person here. He's not talking about hates his brothers, plural, that he hates the whole church. No, he just has hatred towards one brother. So translated means he's, he, he's walking in love towards everyone else in the body of Christ. But this one individual has affected him to that degree that he's now walking in hatred towards that particular individual, a, a brother in Christ. Um, He is in darkness until now. And so, as I said, there's no gray area in the body, in in the kingdom of God. Uh, We either walk in light or we walk in darkness. And so here we have a a Christian who is walking in love towards every other believer that they come into contact with. But there's this one particular believer who has upset them to such a degree that they're now walking in hatred towards them. And the Bible tells us very plainly that this Christian who's walking in hatred is now walking in darkness. So it's not a case of when he's amongst other believers, now he's walking in the light. But when he's in the presence of this particular believer, he's now walking in darkness. No, not at all. The moment that he has chosen to commit this sin himself, he has now stepped out of light. He has stepped into darkness. And no matter where he is, he can be in a church environment worshiping God that believer is still standing in darkness. Whereas all of his brothers and sisters around him are standing in the light, he's standing in darkness. He is light. His spirit is still alive to God. No change there. But he is standing in darkness. And that is how the Lord sees him, and that is how the Lord actually deals with him. Um, So it's not a case of when we commit a, 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 you know, a bit of sin, that we're mainly in the light and we're a little bit in darkness. We do need to understand this concept very clearly because it is so clear in the scriptures. It, there's no gray area. There's no place in the Bible that teaches us that, you know, you can't sin just a little bit because it's not really going to affect you too much. No, the Bible just very really cuts it off. It just says, when you commit sin, um, and it puts forward the sin of hatred I understand that but you can put, change that hatred for any other sin there is Some sexual immorality that's a sin uh, the moment you commit that you step into darkness and until you repent of that sin you remain in darkness and there's no getting around it there's no, um, as I say grey area taught to us in the body of Christ uh, in, the, in the kingdom of God at all um, let's have a look at another scripture which just reinforces this truth, because it's a very important truth to realize. We're talking in this topic today, the consequences of sin. And believe you me, there's just no, no good consequence for sin. And so the, we, we trust that by the Holy Spirit that as you hear this teaching, you will realize, wait a minute, actually, I think I should stay away from sin, because it just has no good consequences to it at all. And um, we can stay away from sin as we've gone through previous teachings before. But here's another scripture that just highlights this truth for us. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, um, this is what the Apostle John is re- re- relating to the church in that he's heard it directly from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He said, this is the message which we have heard from him, speaking of Jesus, and declared to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all and so that is where we have to under uh, where we that's that's the bottom line there's just no darkness in God and so that's why John is so adamant he says you know you can't say that you are in fellowship with God when you're committing sin because you you can't because in God there's no darkness he is light. That's all he is, is light. And so no darkness can come into his presence. Uh, It's impossible. And so uh, John says, you're actually lying when you say, and so there you are, you're committing some more sin. Uh, When you say, well, I've got fellowship with God and yet I'm committing known sin. He says, that's not true. You can't because God is light and in him is no darkness. And when you are committing any sin, whatever sin it might be, and it's known sin to you, you have stepped out of light into darkness. And so you, you're completely shut off from God. That's how, that you, and you did it yourself, God didn't do it. You stepped out of light into darkness when you committed known sin. Um, and so no matter how small that darkness may seem to the person, you can't come into the presence of God, for in him is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. And no darkness can come into his presence. And so you're just uh, uh, fooling yourself. If you think, well, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm walking in hatred towards Joe uh, soap over there, but everything else with me and the Lord is fine. I've got I, my relationship with God is fine. Um, I still pray, I still read my Bible, I still go to a, a church on a Sunday, I still go to a home sell, I still pay my tithes, I still do all the good stuff. Um, it's just that particular uh, brother that, you know, I just don't want to have anything to do with that brother and I've cut him off and as far as I'm concerned, you know, they, they, that, that's not my brother in the Lord even. Um, Well, the Lord says, well, actually, now that you've done that, all of this other stuff that you're doing is meaningless because you're outside of the light. You're now walking in darkness. And it's as simple as that. Uh, The Lord can't make it any plainer to us than that. So what does it mean when we actually walk in darkness? Because, you know, we've, we've seen the consequence of committing known sin is now I step out of light, I step into darkness. So what does that actually mean? Because my my spirit hasn't changed. I'm still light on the inside. So I'm still a son of God. That has not changed. My salvation is still assured. Uh, That hasn't changed. So what, in fact, is the consequence of a believer walking in darkness? Uh, Let's have a look at some scripture to help us understand this. Again, John, we're looking at the gospel of John now in John chapter 12, verse 35. And this is our Lord Jesus speaking to us. And he's given us some insight as to what it means to be walking in darkness. It says, then Jesus said to them, a little while longer, the light is with you, speaking of himself. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. And now this is what we want to concentrate on. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. And so here our Lord gives us a bit of insight as to what it means to be walking in darkness. He says, when you're walking in darkness, you don't know where you're going. Now, we can understand that concept uh, in the natural. For if you were in a dark room and there was no light in that room whatsoever, um, and you started to walk you wouldn 't know where you were going you wouldn't know which direction you were going right? whether you were going in the right direction to the door or whether you were going uh, down the floor, wherever you just don't know where you're going that's in the natural and but our, our Lord is obviously uh, using that as a, as an uh, uh, an analogy to explain what actually takes place in the spirit because our Lord is obviously referring to the spirit and so what our Lord is saying to us here is that when we walk in darkness, we lose direction. We do not now know any, lo- any longer which way to walk because we've lost the light. And so we cannot see clearly which direction to go. We are now limited in our understanding of where we can go. And so w- when our Lord says that we're now walking in darkness, He's talking about in the realm of the Spirit. Um, Because obviously in the natural, nothing changes. We still see this life as we saw it before we were walking uh, in darkness, when we were walking in the light. But what has changed is the way that we are looking at life now in the natural through the Spirit. Because no longer are we seeing what's going on around us in the Spirit. Realm. We're not seeing it through the eyes of our spirit, so to speak. We're now just seeing it in the natural. We've become blinded to the things of the spirit. Um, In fact, that that is the the, the reality of the fact that we have become blinded to to spiritual things. Because now we've stepped back into carnal thinking and carnal reasoning and, and carnal behavior. Because... We no longer we can't see things spiritually anymore we now have to rely on seeing things naturally we now step back to where we used to be before we were saved in that the way that we dealt with life is that we dealt with what we saw going on around us and we reacted to what was taking place around us in the natural and so we became um, uh, reactive people when we were walking in in, in the world because we were completely but we were in darkness at that time so the believer steps back into that realm um, steps out of the spirit realm back into the natural realm and now their lives are dictated by their their natural thinking and their carnal thinking because they cannot uh, see spiritual truths anymore so what happens is is that when people, Christians now, who are around them, who are walking in the light, when they begin to talk about spiritual things, the the believer who is now walking in darkness, those things now begin to sound foolish to them because they cannot discern them spiritually anymore because they're walking in darkness. And so they can't see what their fellow believers are in fact seeing. And so to what they fellow believers makes complete sense in the spirit, to this believer now doesn't make any sense at all because they're looking at, at things and, and they're, they're seeing things and they're understanding things back with their carnal thinking, with their, um, their, their natural understanding because the things of the spirit have now become indistinct to them let's have a look at a scripture that will help us um, along this truth. Um, so they become blinded to things of the spirit. That's, that's, that's the reality of what, it, what takes place. When they walk in darkness, they still light, and their spirits are, can still see, but there's a cut off. There's a, like a, a separation that takes place. And so now they're no, no longer walking in their spirits, they're now walking purely with their minds and their carnal reasoning. They can't think spiritually anymore because they can't see things spiritually anymore. Uh, the scripture we can look at is 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. The scripture says, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. And so... Paul, in writing to the church at Corinth here, is referring to unbelievers in this passage of Scripture, for he talks about the natural man doesn't receive the things of the Spirit of God. But this same passage of Scripture also pertains to believers who step into darkness and are then walking in darkness, because now they are in exactly the same uh, boat, really, Um, because they cannot discern spiritual things anymore. And uh, things of the spirit begin to sound more and more foolish to them. So when uh, the spiritual Christian says, you know, we just need to confess uh, God's word over our lives and it will come to pass. The carnal Christian says to himself, wait a minute, you know, that actually doesn't work. Uh, You actually need to you know, get out and do stuff for yourself. And uh, you've got to get out and make things happen yourself. You can't just speak things into existence. And, because, and so the, the things of the Spirit sound more foolish to them. Whereas before, when they were walking in the light, they would have seen that and they would have agreed with it and they would have said, yes, amen, let's go with that. But now that they're walking in, in the flesh, they look at what their brothers in, in Christ are saying and it sounds kind of weird to them. And, you know, this is a Christian that's not hasn't got his act together. He's not really talking my language anymore. Now the reason for that is because I'm not understanding his language anymore because not only have I am I not seeing in the spirit anymore but I'm also not hearing in the spirit because these things have to be spiritually discerned and I've cut myself off from my spirit and I'm no longer walking in my spirit. I'm walking in darkness. And so Carnal... Uh, Christians who have stepped out of the light into darkness start to take on the same qualities as Unbelievers they start to view life as an unbeliever views life um, Things that are unseen the eternal things no longer seem that real to them anymore um, Things that are seen the things that are seen around them the natural things they become far more real Than the unseen things which is the Word of God what God says about things um, and so they are now no longer able to see the reality, the truths in God's Word. They may continue to um, you know, read their Bibles. They may continue to continue to go to church and that. but reading the Bible even becomes a chore. then it becomes almost like a closed book again, it becomes a case of just reading, but not, not the, the Word of God doesn't speak to them anymore. Before, when they used to read the Word of God, you know, it was as if the book was alive, and uh, passages of Scripture would really jump out and speak to them. Now when they read the Word of God, it's, it becomes like, a, you know, this is part of what I do. I'm a Christian, so I, I must do this. Um, but there's no life there uh, because they the, the veil is, has come down again because the veil is taken away in Christ. And because they're not walking in Christ anymore, they're in Christ, but they're not walking in Him. Before, because he is the light. And so if you're walking in darkness, you're not walking in Christ. And so the veils come down again. And so the truths in God's word are not revealed to this particular believer anymore because they are not um, walking as they ought to walk. And, and circumstances around them begin to dictate to them how they ought to walk. So they are no longer being led of the Holy Spirit. For well, the Bible teaches us, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And we're to be led by the Holy Spirit. We have a purpose in life. When, when uh, God calls us to be His children, He has prepared good works for each one of us to walk in, that we should complete those works uh, while we're on the earth. And so when we're walking in the Spirit and we're walking in fellowship with God, uh, we are being led by the Holy Spirit and we're walking in the good works He's given us to do. But when we decide to walk now in darkness and now no longer walking on the path of light, I now no longer, I'm not purposing my life anymore by the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now life has been purposed for me because I'm now walking back in the natural. And so I can only react to what is taking place around about me. And believe you me, when you start walking in darkness, there's a lot of stuff taking place around about you that you don't want to happen, but it happens. Because we we trigger so many things when we start to walk in darkness and we start to walk in sin, and so reading the Bible is no longer a joy to them. It becomes just a a, a chore that they have to do because they are they are Christians and this is something that they they do as a as a believer. But as I say, the life is gone. Um, they're no longer receiving life when they read the Word of God. Um, Another thing that takes place when we uh, walk in darkness is in 1 John chapter 2 verse 10. Um, this is uh, again just another area of walking in darkness. Darkness, another consequence. So the, the consequence of committing sin is that we step out of light into darkness. And so one of the reasons, one of the issues that kick in when we start walking in darkness is that we start losing our way because we don't know where we're going anymore. We're not being led of the Holy Spirit. We're now reacting to the world around us. Um, and as I say, we cannot now see truths in God's word anymore. Spiritual things become indistinct to us. Um, there's a whole lot of series of consequences along that line. But there's another consequence that kicks in when we start walking in darkness uh, that impacts upon the believer's life. And that is in 1 John chapter 2, verse 10. The scripture says, he who loves his brother abides in the light. And listen to this. And there is no cause for stumbling in him. And so very clearly the converse is, can be said that he who is not uh, loving his brother is abiding in darkness. And there is cause for stumbling in him. So when the Bible talks about stumbling, it always talks uh, talks about committing sin that is the stumbling that we do when we uh when, when we when we stumble we commit sin and so what you see happening in this particular believer's life who has now knowingly stepped out of light into darkness they begin to stumble what are they stumbling over they're stumbling over more and more sin Um, And so it's a a progressive thing because they can't see where they're going anymore. And so what to them when they were walking in the light was clearly a sinful act and they would never dream of doing such a thing. Now that they're walking in darkness, because they can't see clearly anymore, they stumble. Boom, they hit another sin aspect and they, they commit another sin. And they can't see that that act is sinful anymore. Whereas before they could clearly see, wait a minute, that act is not right and it's unacceptable to the Lord, I must not do that. Now they're walking in darkness, they commit the sin, and they don't see that they've committed sin anymore because they're stumbling, all right? Because they're hitting into these aspects of sin and they begin to commit more and more sin in their lives. It's a progressive thing because they can't see um, the sinful acts that they're doing. So again, it's you know, difficult for them to recognize, well, wait a minute, what I'm doing now is actually sinful, because they don't recognize it as being sinful anymore, because it's not made manifest to them in the light. They're now not seen it, because they're walking in darkness. Uh, and so there is that added aspect, that when we um, walk in, in darkness, that we do tend to begin to commit more and more sin. Uh, it has a contagion effect in our lives, in that um, you, know, you you can't you don't get away with just one sin. So you you don't get away with just committing the sin of hatred towards one brother, and then your rest of your life is fine. Um, because no, what'll happen is that sin has taken you into darkness and you will start to commit other sins as well. And so it just builds up. Um, and it, it, it has dire consequences for the believer. But there is also another consequence that we incur when we walk in darkness, and that is that we no longer enjoy fellowship with our Lord Jesus. Let's have a look at a scripture along that line. Uh, 1 John chapter 1, verse 6. The scripture says, If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And so, you know, again, uh, John is very plain about this whole thing. He says you cannot have fellowship with our Lord Jesus and walk in darkness at the same time. It's an impossibility. Now, I know a lot of Christians believe the complete opposite of that. They believe that no matter what sin they commit, that they remain in fellowship with God because Jesus had paid the price for all of our sins when he died on the cross. And so even before I commit the sin, this is how... Some of the weird teaching is given to the body of Christ, which is completely false. Um, Even before I commit the sin, I'm already forgiven for that sin. And so I'm never removed from fellowship with my Lord, no matter how many sins I commit, no no matter uh, how often I commit those sins. Well, that's not the Bible at all. And John is very plain in the Holy Spirit through the Apostle John is very plain. He says, uh, if we say that we have fellowship with him, because you can say it, but it doesn't mean it's true. And walk in darkness. I'm committing sin. I'm walking in darkness. We lie. So you've just committed some more sin uh, and do not practice the truth. He said you're a liar. it's just as, as simple as you can get. Uh, when you're committing sin, known sin, you are in the dark and you are out of fellowship. And you can fool yourself and try to fool everybody else that you're in fellowship with the Lord. You certainly don't feel, uh, fool the Lord. He's the one. So his word. So, you know, let's stick with the word of God and let him teach us as to how things actually do work and not try and take other passages of Scripture out of context and try and make them say things that they actually don't say um, because this is the truth of God's word. Um, and so if you're going to walk in sin, you're in darkness, you're, st- you're starting to stumble. You're in darkness, you don't know where you're going. Uh, you're no longer seeing things uh, spiritually. You're now seeing things naturally, carnally. You be, you become carnal in your thinking once again, and uh, you're starting to commit more sin because you're starting to stumble. And each time you stumble, you've committed another sin. And then also, you're now lo- no longer walking in fellowship with the Lord Jesus. So there, you know there's some weird um, consequences that kick in when we decide to walk out of uh, the light into darkness. And so we, we lose out on so much when we walk out of fellowship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, for we no longer have his, his constant presence. We no longer sense his presence with us because he withdraws his presence from us. He has to because he is light and in him is no darkness. And this is not, we, can, we can't say, okay, well, that's God the Father. But with our Lord Jesus, he's different because he's a man he can still fellowship with us. No, He is also light, and in Him is no darkness. The Bible says, very plainly, talking of our Lord Jesus, in Him is no sin. And so, no, He can't fellowship with sin. Um, he's paid the price for our sins, and He's washed our sins. And so, if we go and decide to go wallow in sin, He doesn't get inside the... The, the mud uh, bath with us and begin to wallow with us? Not at all. He stands on the side and he beckons us to get out of there and come back into the light and have fellowship. Let him clean us and wash us again so that we can have fellowship with him. But as long as we're wall- wallowing in the mud, um, we're in there on our own. The Lord's not with us. We do not enjoy his presence uh, in our, in our, amongst us any, any, any longer. We don't hear His voice clearly anymore. We don't get the leading and the guidance of the Holy Spirit clearly anymore. Because why? Because we're cutting off that communication. Because fellowship is, is, is a two-way communication. God speaking to us and us speaking to God and, and, and communing with the Lord and having fellowship with Him. Well, that all stops when we step out of darkness, out of light into darkness. All of it is cut off straight away. Um, the peace that we used to know when we were, th- were in his presence, that falls away. And you find that those believers are no longer walking in, in a peaceful um, not an environment. That's not the right word, but are no longer walking in the peace of God. They now begin to become fretful all, about all sorts of things. Because why? Because they, they're now walking in their carnal understanding. And so when they see things happening and they hear about things happening, it starts to impact on them and their, their, their peace is withdrawn from them and they don't experience the peace of god anymore uh, knowing what's going to happen before beforehand because remember the holy spirit shows us things to come it doesn't happen anymore and so things start hit, hitting them by surprise because why they can't see where they're going you put a blindfold on anybody and put him behind the wheel of a car he's going to bash it into something very soon and so that's exactly what happens with our lives when we decide to no longer walk in the light. So let's expand on this fact that we do step out of fellowship with our Lord Jesus when we uh, decide to walk in darkness and not walk in light. Our Lord Jesus has instructed the church to withdraw fellowship from believers who are walking in unrepentant sin. Uh, This is a very clear instruction given to the church. And yet the church by and large doesn't practice this particular instruction. Um, If the Apostle Paul was around today, he would enforce it in the churches that he ministered in. uh, We would minister in. And so we should enforce it in in our churches. Let's have a look at the scripture, uh, what it says along that line. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning at verse 6. Paul is talking about sin in this particular church. He says, your glory is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? And let's just stop there quickly, because Paul uses this analogy of a little leaven, leaven, leavening the whole lump on more than one occasion. And obviously it's the Holy Spirit that uses it through Paul. And our Lord used it as well, because it is very, very illustrative of the effect of certain aspects. And in this case, we're talking about sin. Sin. Now, when he says a little leaven leavens the whole lump, in this in, in context, he is talking, because we'll get to the rest of the passage of Scripture, he's talking about the whole church being affected. But it also affects the believer, because they, what starts off as just one sin, okay, is a little leaven, and that little leaven will eventually leaven the whole lump. And so that sin has a contagion effect within the believer's life themselves. And so sin is a progressive thing. It leads the Christian down the wrong path, and they continue as long as they continue on that path. That leaven is growing. It's growing. It's growing. It's influencing their lives more and more. But in context here, what, when Paul brings this, and he's talking about. In context of the church, so he's saying, uh, one Christian in in the church who is committing unrepentant sin, if it's not dealt with, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. He's talking about the whole church will eventually be affected by just that one Christian. And let's see what he says. uh, What the the Holy Spirit's instruction to the church is through the Apostle Paul, verse eleven. He says, "But now I have written to you not to keep company." with anyone named a brother. So he's talking about a brother in Christ, who is what? Who is sexually immoral, or covetous, or an idolater, or a reviler, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. And so Paul is saying, and the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul is saying, that we are to withdraw complete fellowship, From a a believer, this is talking about believers, not talking about unbelievers. And Paul had to um, uh, get that point across because he had written to them previously. They'd asked the the Church at Corinth had asked him about, you know, how should should we have fellowship with people that do these things um, or sexually immoral, etc., etc.? And Paul had written back to them saying, No, you're not to keep company with people like that. Um, They had misunderstood Paul to to the point that. They thought, well, Paul's talking about everybody in the world, because that's how the world behaves. They are sexually immoral, they're covetous, they're idolaters, they're revilers, they're drunkards, and they're extortioners. And so they thought Paul was saying to them, well, you actually need to now become a little holy hubble and not have anything to do with uh, people out in the world, because this is how they behave. And Paul wasn't saying that at all. He said, guys, if, if, actually, if you have to do that, then you need to go out of the world. And we don't go out of the world. So he says, I wasn't when I wrote to you uh, that point... I was not talking about people in the world because that's their nature. That's what they do. And So we don't withdraw having interaction with unbelievers because we're in the world and we're meant to minister to them and bring them into the kingdom of God. He's talking about believers here. So he says, is there any brother who's doing this? this is what they, These are the sins that they're committing and you know about it. Obviously, if you don't know about it, then you're not going to, you know, if the Holy Spirit has not revealed it to you or you you just are ignorant about their lifestyle that uh, they're keeping, well, then, you know, God's not uh, unjust. He doesn't say, well, you should have known better because you didn't know. But this is if you do know. Let's deal with one of them. You know that a brother is committing sexual immorality. Now, our Lord says to us, You are to withdraw fellowship from that particular Christian, that that brother. You're not to have any uh, interaction with that brother on a a fellowship basis. He says you're not even to eat with such a person. So if they invite invite you out to lunch, you're you're to decline and just to say, sorry, I can't. Um, And that is what we're meant to do um, in the church. And that is very practical. Because, I mean, you know, when a brother realizes that nobody else is having fellowship with me because of what I'm doing. Because they obviously have to, you have to make a plain to the brother and say, look, I can't because you are doing this and that is actually wrong. And if I were to have fellowship with you, I would now be, be disobedient to the Word of God, and so I would then step into darkness with you. And I don't want to go down that road, sorry. So, you know, until you get your act together and you and you you know get your your life right with the Lord, um, I, I can't have fellowship with you anymore. And so if all of the church uh, did that to that particular Christian, it would be very plain to everybody that fellowship had been withdrawn. Now that's what takes place in the natural, but it's also in the spirit obviously, you understand, but The church would have now withdrawn fellowship from that particular Christian. Well, what has taken place in the church, the Lord has already done, for he has also withdrawn his fellowship from that particular believer. The Lord Jesus doesn't, as the head of the church, say to the church, you guys withdraw, but I'll continue having fellowship. Not at all. He's the head of the church. And so he leads us. He's our example. So he's, he's the first one who actually withdraws fellowship from that particular believer. And now he expects the rest of his body to do exactly the same thing. We are to withdraw our fellowship from that particular believer. So this, this, this um, loss of fellowship becomes very stark to the Christian who is walking in unrepentant sin. Because, you know, it's not only... He can't hide it um, from the point of view, well, Jesus is not having fellowship with me, but nobody else knows that because everybody's not having fellowship with me and everybody knows that. Um, and so that's where we're supposed to go. That's how the church is actually supposed to function and we're supposed to operate in this manner. Um, and our Lord Jesus Christ has asked us to do this. And so we're talking about normal interaction with the, in the church. Under the old covenant, there was a, a type and example of this. When anybody became um, uh, uh, sick sick, let's say leprosy for argument's sake. They had to uh, take the person out of the camp and they had to be separated from the camp and they had to be placed in uh, in an isolation area until such a time as they were cleansed. And only when they were cleaned and pronounced clean by the priest could they then once again be brought into the camp. And so that is a type and a shadow of what the church should be doing with regards to sin. And so when a brother or sister in Christ is committing no sin and everybody else knows about it then fellowship should be withdrawn and so it's like the 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 Christian is placed in isolation until such a time as that Christian decides to um, repent and come back into fellowship with our Lord Jesus Christ and so we have to withdraw fellowship Now, it's sad, but this is what actually happens today, is that most churches do not practice this uh, passage of Scripture. And there's more than just this one passage of Scripture, by the way. Um, They don't practice this. And so believers who are committing known sin, and other believers know about it, are continuing to enjoy fellowship with their fellow believers. Now, the Lord has withdrawn his fellowship, because he's not a hypocrite. He does what his word says, and so he's done that. But his church has not done that. And so because his church has not done that, what you find is a lot of Christians um, are continuing in known sin because as far as they're concerned, there's actually no consequence to their sin because, you know, they can still go to Bible studies and they can still go, um, I don't know, to to have meals with their fellow believers um, and nobody says anything to them and nobody withdraws fellowship. And so they are almost fooled into believing that everything's fine, where in fact it's not fine, because the church has not been obedient to the Lord in this area. And so they continue to live in unrepentant sin because uh, the church is not withdrawing their fellowship as they ought to. Let's have a look at another scripture where Paul deals again with the same aspect, uh, writing to the church in Thessalon- Thessalonica, and not like the church in Corinth. Um, This is 2 Thessalonians, chapter 3, beginning at verse 14. He says, And if anyone does not obey our word in this epistle, and Paul had then given them some instruction in that epistle, that letter, he says, Note that person, and what? And do not keep company with him. Why? That he may be ashamed. Verse 15. Yet do not count him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. And so the whole purpose of withdrawing fellowship from a believer who is committing no sin and you know about it. And so you say, sorry, I can't really have fellowship with you anymore until you get this thing sorted out. The whole purpose is to let them be ashamed so that they can realize, okay, okay what I'm doing is actually wrong. I need to now get this sorted out once and for all between me and the Lord. And I need to repent of it and come back into fellowship. That is the whole point. He says, you know, we don't treat the guy as an enemy. So, you know, know, we don't cast people out. Um, We don't shoot our wounded, as somebody has once said. And that's a very good analogy. We don't shoot our wounded. We bind them up. And, you know, the Bible says, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a a manner of gentleness and and bring them back into fellowship. And we pray for that individual. And we counsel them. We try to get them to see the light, to, you know, okay, what you're doing is actually wrong. You need to come back in. Uh, into the fold and you need to be doing things so we don't treat the person as an enemy but we admonish them as a brother but we do have to withdraw fellowship from them so part of the consequence of them committing nonsense and us knowing about it is that fellowship has to be withdrawn Um, talking about fellowship now not talking about you, you you're cut off from the body of christ that's it you've lost your salvation we want nothing more to do with you not at all They're still a brother in Christ. We're needing to get them to be brought back in. A shepherd's job, he has a rod and a staff. And the rod is there to, you know, be brought down when when there's disobedience in the church. Now, um, we need to be obedient to the head of the church in this particular issue because it's his instruction to the church and we need to deal with it. And so, again, there is the contagion effect that we spoke about when, when Paul mentioned it. a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Because guaranteed, what happens is if the, uh, the church is aware of a brother or sister in Christ who is committing known sin and then tolerates that and does nothing about it and continues in fellowship with that particular believer, I guarantee you that within a very short space of time, what happens is sin starts springing up in all parts of the church because A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Let's have a look at a scripture that will help us along that line, which is in Hebrews chapter 12, beginning at verse 14. The scripture says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Verse 15, Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, And by this, many become defiled. And so here again, uh, Paul writing to the church in Jerusalem and he says, guys, a a root of bitterness springing up in in, in your midst will defile a whole bunch of people. Because that particular uh, believer who's now become bitter towards somebody else or whatever um, is now, if we don't deal with it, is now beginning to impact other believers around them and they're becoming defiled because their, their thinking becomes poisoned and they also start to become a bit bitter in, in the way that they behave and and so the sin has this contagion effect and so that is there's two reasons why, why fellowship is withdrawn firstly um, our Lord is wanting the individual to repent and come back into fellowship and so The individual needs to realize there's something wrong here. I'm not enjoying things like I used to. I'm not enjoying the fellowship with my Lord that I used to. and I'm definitely not enjoying the fellowship with the body of Christ like I used to because of my behavior. And so I I do feel ashamed. And so I'm going to come back and, and I'm going to repent of that. So that's the one reason that we withdraw fellowship so that the person can be ashamed and repent. The other reason is because we do not want the sin to have the contagion effect. We don't want that sin spreading out into the rest of the body of Christ because it can and will spread into the rest of the body of Christ if the the church and the leadership of the church do not quarantine that individual. That leprosy, so to speak, will spread to the the rest of the flock, and uh, the Lord doesn't want that to happen either. And so those are the two reasons, but the two main reasons, why fellowship is withdrawn from believers who continue to walk in known sin. And so we see the impact of known sin So that we've dealt with so far today, and that is if we step out of light into darkness. Once we're in darkness, we don't know where we're going anymore. We start to stumble. When we stumble, we're committing more and more sin. Spiritual things become obscure to us. Now we become more carnal in our thinking, and and spiritual things become foolishness to us. That's the one aspect. Then the other aspect... Uh, The fellowship with our Lord is withdrawn because we are now stepped out of light into darkness. He no longer has fellowship with us. We no longer enjoy fellowship with him. There should be the other aspect in that fellowship within the church is withdrawn as well. Obviously, withdrawn from the believer who has already been counseled by the leadership and said, you know, what you're doing is wrong. You need to repent of this and you need to come right. And they refuse to do so then they need to be told very plainly look if you're going to go down that road you're still welcome to come to church every sunday that count not we can never stop that happening because we, the lord is talking about withdrawing fellowship they still need to be coming coming to a place where the lord can deal with them but there has to be the consequence of fellowship must be withdrawn. They can't be sharing meals anymore. Things like that have to be withdrawn from that believer so that they are then brought into a stark reality of the fact, okay, there is a consequence to my behavior. But then again, there's also the other side because the eldership are responsible for the rest of the flock. And our Lord has very clearly told us that if you do, don't quarantine that particular sheep in the flock, that the the, the contagion effect of that sin virus will spread to the rest of the flock as well. And very soon, the leadership in that church will have major problems in that church. And uh, we're going to end the point on that point today. We'll continue with the other consequences that we do pick up when we commit sin in further teachings. Amen.